Well, we're going to move in our God's ideal for communication and to Ephesians chapter 4. So I want you to turn there with me to Ephesians 4, and we're in the handout that says three reminders that will help us use our words wisely. So turn there, if you would. Ephesians, um, it's been a number of years since I have taught in this class through Ephesians. I would guess more than ten, anyhow. And, uh, but what a tremendous book. And like most of Paul's um, epistles, the, the first part is usually doctrine. And uh, the second part then expands into the practical application uh, no clear book, I don't think, personally, on the fact that we've been elected from the foundation of the earth and our salvation is secure and it's in Christ and all of the blessings that the, that the believer has there in that, that first chapter and that amazing truth that resounds over and over again in that second chapter that we're um, saved by grace alone, through faith alone. It's, it's not of ourselves it's a gift of God that, that we wouldn't boast and that because of that we're to be his workmanship in Christ Jesus. That, that word you've heard before so many times in Ephesians 2.10, that, that work is a poem. We're to be God's poem. We are to represent and we reflect God's poem, if you will, in, in the way we live, in the way we um, conduct our lives when we get, by the time we get to chapter 4, you have had teaching over and over and over again in the first parts of chapter 4 where the, the gifts of the Spirit are being laid out and the gifts to the church and, and, and the gifts of the pastor and the teachers and um, how we are to build one another up in the body that we might come to full maturation, full maturity, that we all might become like Jesus Christ as an act of work that's done and that we participate in both by receiving and giving truth one one to another. And so all of that is part of chapter 4 and it, and it brings up to ups, up to the um, verses that we're going to uh, look at in, in chapter 4. And in chapter 4, 1, you see the uh, fact that Paul is he, he uses a strong word there in verse 1, implore. He, he's imploring us to walk in a worthy manner. Uh, we, we know this, the, the word walk has, has the idea of how we live our life. Everything that has to do with living our life, we are implored to walk in a worthy manner. What's the worthy manner? Well, the, 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 the worthy manner of our calling. What are we called? We're called Christians. We're, we're, we're to walk the way Christ walked. We're to walk in accordance to his word. And, of course, we can only do that empowered by the spirit, but we, we've been given the spirit, which is made clear um, early on in this book. And then later, again, we're to be filled with the spirit. We're to be operating in the fullness of the Spirit. And so um, we do this with verse 2, all humility. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very special calling, but it's a very special walk. We are to be peculiar people. Well, when we walk out into the world, we're going to be different than everybody else. We're going to be a peculiar people. We'll be, as Peter said, strangers and pilgrims. 
Now, may I put a little circle around that? That doesn't mean we're supposed to be weirdos, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there, there may be a sense that somebody thinks we're a weirdo because we love Christ. That's different. But we don't have to be uniquely weird. We don't have to be uniquely odd other than we're just obeying Christ. Okay, so we, we don't have to um, be offensive. We let his word in our walk be offensive. But there, there, there's a balance and there's a reasonableness with this. Um, we don't have to have my, your car covered with bumper stickers that says, I love Jesus. Um, I hope you do love Jesus. And if your car is covered with bumper stickers that says that, praise the Lord, just drive like it. Um, because we have a certain walk, right? And, and so the, the, there, is a, there is a balance, and we are to have that walk. And, and in, in verse 17 of chapter 4, Paul says uh, the obvious, this walk has changed. We used to be in darkness, now we're in light. We used to be dead, now we're alive. And, and so now we are to, not to walk like we were unconverted. We're not to walk like Gentiles. That's what verse 17 is saying. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as Gentiles also walked in the fertility of your mind. Christ has changed us. All things have been made new. The old is passing away. The, the new is coming. We're maturing. We're growing. We're, we're no longer like we used to be by the grace of God. Amen? We don't, we don't walk like others walk. And so we see that. And then when you get to um, these verses that, that we're going to look at, you see that in verse 22, we are to lay aside the old self. It's the same thing. We're not supposed to live the way we used to live. We don't walk the way we used to walk. We don't think the way we used to think because we're dead to sin now. We're alive unto God through Jesus Christ the Lord. And so, verse 22, we lay aside the old self, which is corrupt and full of deceitful lusts, and we're renewed in the mind. Verse 24, and then in verse 25, we come through a, a, a series of, of helpful instructions, which includes totally um, this whole area of, of communications. You see, in, in verse 25, it starts with, therefore, because of all these things I've said here in chapter, in chapter 4, because of all those things, this walk, this walk I've implored you to, because you've renewed your mind and you've put off the old and you're not walking as a Gentile, you're walking as a believer. Therefore, here's the, here's the practical now, we're not going to lie anymore, we're going to speak the truth. And, and then we're going to see, we're, we're no longer going to have unrighteous anger, we're going to have righteous anger. And, and you'll see in, in, in verse 28, we're, we're going to stop stealing and we're going to start sharing or giving. And then you see the verses that we're going to look at. We're going to go from unwholesome words to wholesome words. And then last two verses, we're going to go from natural vices, the natural response of the flesh to life. We're going to go from that to supernatural virtues. And it's all done by the, by the power of the Spirit. And so I, I'm really going to have a focus in, in in a minute on verse 29. Uh, I, I will read these things, but I just want to use this. I, 
I, I read this illustration someplace and I thought it was so apropos. He's saying, therefore, in verse 25, and he's, he's really doing sort of a, a tongue examination. Yet you go in and you sit in the doctor's office, whether it's your annual or um, whether you, you've got a cold or you've got a cough or you don't feel good. I don't care what's wrong with you. They always sit you on a little table and the, almost the first thing they do is they guy comes in and he tells you to open your mouth and do what? Stick out your tongue. You know, sometimes they take that little tongue depressor and gag you, you know. Stick that down. Stick your tongue down and see if they can't make you throw up your breakfast. So, um, I never liked that little wooden thing. Do you like that little wood thing stuck in there? I, I, you know, I, there's enough... Uh, old man in me always wants to take that thing and stick it back in his throat. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. So, but he's looking at the tongue. And of course he's looking at everything else too. I get that. But he's looking at the tongue because the tongue is a good indication of what's going on inside your body. And haven't we been saying that all along where we started here? Word problems are what kind of problems? They're heart problems. They start on the inside. When this tongue wags in the wrong way, it's because I've got a heart problem. And so he's, he's going to talk to us about um, a tongue problem, a tongue exam. And, and he, he moves right on down the list to, to the heart and to the hand. And then in those last few verses, sort of like a doctor would do, okay, now I'm giving the exam. Here's the prescription. Be ye kind one to another. And so you, you come to the end and you get the prescription after the exam. And, and so these, these verses are, are so helpful because we, we need to look at our words carefully. And we've looked at what Proverbs has said about all the do's and the don'ts, all the bridges and, and, and all the obstacles to communication. And this sort of brings it together and ties it up in a nice, nice neat package for us. At least I think it does. So... Look, if you would, at at verse 25, verse 4 of Ephesians. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth one to another of your neighbor, or with his neighbor, for you are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather... He must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he'll have something to share with someone who's in need. Verse 29, which will be our primary text for the morning. Let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those that hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven us. 
Lord, grant us understanding of this text and empower us that our words might be like your words. We might be able to obey this in um, a supernatural way for the glory of Christ and the building up of the body. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you see in, in this text at least three reminders of how we use our words uh, wisely. And the first one I have put on there is that words have the power to build people up. So use them that way with that intent. Our words should have an intent. They shouldn't be idle. We've gone over that and over that. They should be intent. And so there should be no unwholesome words. We must, in reliance on God's grace, refuse to speak harmfully about other people. Um, We need to ask the Spirit to close our mouths when we're getting ready to say something that we shouldn't say that would be harmful to somebody else. There's nobody in here that at times doesn't struggle with this. It, it, it's, it's, just, it's just the way it is. If all of you would be precisely like me, then none of you would ever irritate me. So you know what the answer to that equation is. None of you are precisely like me, so it's quite probable that all of you could at one time or another irritate me, but that doesn't mean I have to open my mouth and show myself a fool and in doing that hurt you. That's a heart problem. If I have a problem with you, there's a way to handle it. That's what Proverbs has been going over. And so uh, I ask God to put a watch and a guard on my mouth that I might not say that, which is unseemly. And we don't let unwholesome words come out of our mouth. And we've talked about this in the past. If, and if we do, we repent and we, and we make it right. We, we understand the harm or the hurt that we may have caused somebody by what we said. And we, we seek their forgiveness with with sincerity, not demanding it. You know, you don't get to demand forgiveness. You don't. You, you don't get to demand forgiveness. You, you you go and you 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 seek it and you you appeal it. We'll we'll talk about that more later. But we refuse to speak harmful words. Our words have the potential to destroy. If we went to James, we could see that our, that our words can be like a fire. Um, they can they can burn they can they can consume we're we're reminded from that because where do we start in in proverbs eighteen twenty one right death and life are in the power of our words and so we 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 must be so careful for them there's there's no place in in a believer's word for unwholesome or corrupt words that that word that's that's used there um unwholesome uh, i think it's in the King James it says corrupt do you have another word that's used in your translation? Corrupt, unwholesome. Anybody got a different word? Well, the word means, in the original, anyhow, um, rotten or, or um, putrefied. It's sort of like the, the idea of a, of a rotten apple. You've heard the saying, one rotten apple will, will spoil the whole bunch. Well, I mean, our words have the ability to do the same thing. We should be very, very careful. We don't, we don't want anything putrid or, or, or rotten to um, come out of our mouth. Uh, uh, another way to say that is nothing should come out of our mouth that's not fitting. Fitting for what? Fitting all the way back 
for one who has been called to walk in a worthy manner. This worthy manner that honors Jesus Christ doesn't speak words unfit for that. So the, the rotten, purified words are, in the power of the Spirit, eliminated. Um, secondly, B, we see there, we must, we must aim in our talk to edify and to bless uh, the hearer, the, the potential to, to delight. And again, if we went to James, James would, would talk specifically um, about that power to uh, delight. Uh, this verse in the Amplified Translation, um, 29b says, but only such speech as is good and beneficial for the spiritual progress of others. So, so that helps. Uh, not only are we supposed to not do the bad, but we're supposed to do the good, and, and that good is the idea of helping other people along, helping other people make spiritual progress. That's, that's the incentive the intent of this, um, let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification, that, that spiritual progress, the idea of building up. It actually means the act of building up, um, promoting growth. So we're trying to promote growth. Some of you that are you know, that are good with, with flowers and bushes and all that, so you, you, you come here, and, and you look at another believer and you, you look at them and you say, that flower, those leaves look a little pale. They look like they're dying. They look like they need a little something. So, you, so you're going to come along and you're going to water that. You're, you're going to take and pull some weeds out. You're going to take and put some fertilizer in. You're going to be sunshine for that, for that plant. That's what we do one to another. That's the idea of what we do in the body of Christ were used of the Lord to build one another up. It's the same idea that you see in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and I, and I put that there in your handout, and we've gone over that uh, again for the sake of, of time. You, you see that, and you know that. We exhort one another, and all the more, as we see the day approaching. And so... Um, we're closer to the rapture of the church. We're, we're closer to the consummation of all things. We're closer to heaven than we've ever been before. Amen? So um, everybody that reads this, we see the day approaching. That day will be here sooner than we know. And um, we may have some differences as to when that day's coming. But if we're a believer, we have no doubt that day's coming. Right? And so as that day is approaching, we want to make sure everybody's ready. And so we want to make sure that everybody is built up and everybody is ready for the trials and the struggles that happen until that day. So that's what we do. We, we edify each other. And at the same time, we make sure we're not doing something to tear down. And so words have the power to build people up. And so we use them that way with that intent. We can learn that. May I say this kindly? you can learn to speak in such a way that you build other people up. Yes, there is the spiritual gift of exhortation, but this is a command of God's people. And empowered by the Spirit, we can all learn that. We can learn how to speak and lift people up. We're not all going to be extroverts. We're not all going to be 
you know, some are more positive and some are more negative. All of that may be true in the whole, is true in the whole scheme of all of our differences, but we can learn to build one another, and it should be something we ask the Spirit's help to do. We should desire to do that. And so I put some questions down that you can think about in your quiet time, maybe. How can we help each other grow and more regularly use words to build one another up? Um, We can can practice doing that. Um, We can certainly pray that God would help us to do that. Regularly, I know I've mentioned this before, but regularly Judy and I will, will pray on, on the weekend before we come here sometime. Lord, if there's somebody there that you have an appointment for us that we could encourage, that we could build up, that we could, we could strengthen, would you make that known to us? Would you help us to be attentive to that? Well, that's how we ought to come to the assembly. It's, it's not just my job to teach and to preach. It is, but it's our job, all of us as members, to build one another up, speaking the truth in, in, in love. And so you, you see the questions um, there. That should be happening in the family. It should be happening as the church gathers. Uh, number two, words are most effective when they are used in a timely fashion or with precise timing. Look back at verse 29 again. We don't want to let any unwholesome words come from our mouth at all. But what do we want to do? Only such a word that is good for edification. But now look, according to the need of the moment. According to the need of the moment. I have in your handout there um, a couple of verses. Uh, Proverbs fifteen twenty three, A word spoken in due season. It's a particular season. It's a particular time. Ecclesiastes says it's a time to keep silent. And there's a time to speak and to ask the Spirit to, to show us and to, and to learn to grow and, and be able to discern that area. So important. I mean, there's, there's a time in things to speak privately and not publicly. What would be an example of something that you speak privately and not publicly? We've talked about it recently, just last week. A rebuke, right? A rebuke. I'm going to reprove somebody. I'm going to correct somebody. I'm going to do that privately. I don't want to do that publicly. Does that make sense? And then there's there's a a use of our of our words that are public. So it's very appropriate to publicly praise. It's inappropriately to publicly reprove or rebuke. Is there exceptions? Yes. If an, if an elder falls, it's very clear that he should be reproved in front of the entire congregation. So there are times for public reproof. Um, But for the most part, reproofs, rebukes, admonishments, that's done publicly, and and, and praise and encouragement can can be done privately. Now, certainly you can encourage one another privately, right? It's not not only that, but I'm, I'm just pointing out uh, those difference. And then when you think about the timing, now listen to me, this is so huge. Have you ever just been so excited about something that you thought you needed to say, and then after you said it, you realized that 
man, that was, that was really dumb. That was the wrong time to have said that. And he actually ruined it by the timing. We, we've all done that, haven't we? I mean, there's a right time to speak and there's a right time to, to do that and knowing the difference is so, so very important. In premarital counseling, Judy and I always, I in particular, remind um, the wives, the potential wives, that um, if your man works a, a normal job and you happen to be in the home and you just had a day with the kids, I mean, you've had a day, and he comes walking in the door, um, you would be better off to feed the brute before you um, give him the litany of the day. The, the timing is really important because you have to ask yourself, am I, am I trying to build up? Am I trying to get support and help? Those are all, all okay, but what's the right time to accomplish God's intended purposes in it? And, 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 and everything, that, that timing is so, so very important. That would just be perhaps one example. Maybe, Maybe there's a, a, an irritation between a husband and wife, and it has to do with something uh, to, to deal with the family or the children. But the children are still up. Is that the right time to carry on that conversation? No, I might feel like I want to carry it on right now because right now I'm, I'm a little bit miffed. But, but if I'm going to be filled with the Spirit, I don't carry it on then. I, I, I wait until the children are in bed, right? And, and I carry on an adult conversation with two adults, and I don't carry it on in anger because I've already said here I'm going to put away all anger. I don't, I don't carry it on with unwholesome words because I've already said I don't do anything unwholesome. I, I, I figure out how I'm going to use the words and the right timing so that there's actually a building up and an edification. Do you know that you, you build up and you edify even when you reprove if, if, if you do it in the power of the Spirit? And so the, the, those things are important, and the, and the timing um, is something we can't take lightly. If you look at the second page I put at the top there, the right word spoken at the right time can make all the difference in the world in a person's life. Just recently, I had person I really admire speak to me one sentence in the most unexpected time and place that I could ever have imagined. That one sentence will last me six months. Um, that'll be fuel for my enthusiasm to keep trucking for the glory of Christ for six months. And it was not just that it was said. The words that were said were remarkably edifying to me. But the timing, I, I could not even hardly wrap my arms around that at that moment, somehow that person would know that that's what I needed. And of course, I recognized afterwards that person didn't know, but who did know? God knew. And in the power of the Spirit, brought that to that person's mind and that person communicated it when you would think there would be a million other things that would be on their mind. And it just meant the world to me. Have you had that happen to you? 
Have you had somebody just speak a, a word to you and made all the difference in the world? Don't you want to be that one to another? Um, we, we, have that, we have that potential, um, and that's what God has called us to. So both the words and the timing are enormously important. Look at the last part of that verse. Point number three, words are best when they're exhortation from God's word, from God's word, so that we are channels of his grace. Look at verse 29 again. So we don't let any unwholesome words come out of our mouth. Controlled by the spirit, we are instruments of righteousness, not unrighteousness, and that includes our words. And so, therefore, we speak only words that are good for edification, that which will build up, that one which will help somebody's spiritual progress in Christ-likeness. In order to do that, we have to be careful of understanding the need and the words that would be needed, and then the right timing. So we're very, very careful of the timing because we want to make sure so that it will give grace to those that hear. Our words are, can be really, really good as believers if we're filled with the Spirit of God, but nothing tops the very words of the living God, do they? Um, this, there's just something special when, when we pray for one another and we pray God's word over or into another life or we speak God's word to um, someone. And we're being called to do that there. We're, we're to be a grace giver. Graciously, God gives to us and we turn around and we graciously give to somebody else. I'm, I'm to be a channel or a stream. And we've already identified that whatever's in my heart will come out. That makes it pretty important that we're saturated in something. What? Saturated in, in the Word of God. We're, we're saturated with, with His Word and, and who He is. And when we're saturated with that, and when that's the way we pray and that's the way we live, then we have that potential to take and that will just flow from, from our hearts and our lives. I certainly have had uh, times in my life, I, I remember um, my children were still home and um, I can give all the excuses in, in the world to it, but um, I was getting ready, I believed to head out the door and uh, we just got through supper and I had to I had to run out and go to a meeting or something like that, and we had metal um, double back doors. Sherry probably still remembers it, and I don't know, I, I was looking to say goodbye or something like that, and the door swung open, and it caught me right here in my head. And, man, I threw those keys down on the floor, and it would be wrong for me to sit here and say to you, I didn't sin, I did sin. Unwholesome words came out of my mouth. Now, it's bad enough that I grieve the Spirit. That's what we're going to in verse 30. Do not grieve the Spirit. It's bad enough that I grieve the Spirit. That ought to break our hearts right there. Our hearts should be broken when we become aware of the fact that we grieve the Spirit of the living God who dwells in us. He sealed us to the day of redemption, we're, we're told there, in, in, 
Ephesians. He, he's the earnest down payment of the salvation that has been given us. And he lives within us. And when we speak in unwholesome ways, it breaks his heart. It should break our heart. But I also did that in front of my wife and my children, and that broke my heart too. I immediately repented, and I, and, and I, and I sought their forgiveness. And then I went and got some ice for my head. <laughs> We're not perfect. God doesn't call us to be perfect. But when we're wrong, he calls us to repent. And to the extent that we're wrong publicly, in this case in front of my family, that's where I was called to repent in, in front of. And, and, and even in that, you can take and turn unwholesome words around and you can make them wholesome by his grace and by being a broken man in front of your family in front of others. And what Satan meant for evil, the Spirit of God can turn in good in our lives. Amen? And we've all had those situations. I don't go away thinking, wow, that's pretty good. All the years that Pastor Brody was a parent, that only happened to him once. No, no, it probably happened at least another time. <laughs> that week. <laughs> But each time that you go through humbling yourself, you grow in that grace, don't you? And then you have opportunities to take a lesson like that. Were you edified that I just shared that? Were you convicted that I just shared that? Would you be willing to share the same kind of thing with somebody else? That, that means you've got to be willing to do this. I, I'm human. I, I fail. I, I do things that are wrong. You have to be appropriate when you did that. I, I hope you were encouraged when I, when I talked about being edified by that one sentence. I protected the person. I, I protected the situation. You, you wouldn't be able to guess what it was if you tried, but, but the point. The point is, is that there are people here in this body that are building one another up. And there are other people that I know in this body that have They've had the same experience I've had, and they repented immediately, and they made it right. I've had people speak to me in a way they shouldn't have, and they made it right immediately. That's a beautiful thing. But that's part of God's ideal for communication. And so, again, I, I just remind you, look at verse 30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Spirit of God lives in us. And so, therefore, that reminder, it's sort of the reminder of everything we looked at in Proverbs and every single thing that we have talked about today. Let all bitterness and wrath and amber, and amber, sorry, amber, are you? <laughs> let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And here it is. We should memorize this verse. We should pray this verse. God, give me the grace to be kind one to another, to be kind to the people that I sit next to and that I fellowship with and that are my neighbors and the people I work with. Dear God in heaven, help me to be kind one to another. Help me to be tenderhearted. God, help me to forgive others just the way God in Christ forgave me. That should be our earnest prayer. That should be our plead. And then that will help us be ideal communicators God's way. Amen? Father, help us to grow in this grace, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Next week, Lord willing, we will set aside communication for a week because next week is Thanksgiving Sunday, and so I think we need to have some turkey talk. And so um, we'll, we'll look forward um, to that and then pick back up. God bless you. You are dismissed. Don't forget, this is a fellowship time, not run to the auditorium unless you need the extra time.